This is Metal Mike, and I'm joined by my buddy Gabe from the Hair Metal Mixtape Show, and we discuss our picks for the top 10 essential hair metal albums. Now, these aren't necessarily our favorites, but these are albums that we believe made a big impact and just scream hair metal. Now, let me know your thoughts in the comments and share your list with me. Check this out. Well, Gabe, welcome to the 80s Glam Metal Cast. How you doing, brother? I am doing fantastic, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. It is a total honor. Oh, man, I'm so glad you came on. Real quick, brother, before we jump on, tell everybody about what you do. You've got the Hair Metal Mixtape. It's on Radio Free Brooklyn. Tell them about it, man. Yeah, man, uh, it's every Monday, but as of this Monday on Halloween, it's going to be the last Monday, and the show got moved to Saturday night. Sweet. Um, that's right, man, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. every Saturday night on Radio Free Brooklyn. Dot org. Uh, the show is Hair Metal Mixtape, and it's basically me giving you, uh, you know, 15, 20-minute interviews with uh, current bands, and then I'll give you a side A and side B of a good 40-minute each side of a, of a mixtape, pretty much with, like, everything from, like, you know, 80s, 90s, 2000s until today, all current hair metal, hard rock, you know, from the current to the... Uh, to the classics, man. Trying to keep it, uh, kind of trying to keep that pendulum swinging back and forth for all, all us old guys. Yeah, that's awesome, man. It's great what you do. It's important, and I do. I like that you're throwing in some of the new stuff because there is a lot of new stuff out there uh, that some of us old timers uh, pass over. So, so we need a couple repeat listens, you know, to get it in our system. Yeah, it's kind of what happened was like I was uh, sending mixtapes to my friends, and I kind of started sneaking in bands like Wild Street and LA Cobra and stuff, and they were like. Hey, wait a minute! You said some new stuff this time. I was like, "That's right," and they—they're uh, all into it now. Crazy licks, the whole deal, you know. That's awesome, man! So good. Well, tonight is going to be no easy task, and I thought you'd be the perfect guy to do this. But this is the top ten essential hair metal albums, and at least the way I approached this game was these weren't necessarily all my favorites, although I do like them all. But I figured these are the ones I approached it that you have to have in your collection to understand what hair metal is. Let's just say it was you were somebody who lived under a rock or you weren't born in this era. You don't know what, what's going on with it. This would give you the representation of what it's all about. How'd you approach it? Yeah, because initially I just started busting out names and albums and I had a list of like 30. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes sometimes. Yeah, it's not going to work. So then I thought about when... Um, my wife, she she's about five years younger than me, and she doesn't listen to this stuff. She knows it. She knows about rock and the whole deal. But like, she grew up in Manhattan. She was more of like a whole different scene. So I thought about the stuff that I actually started playing for her when I started introducing hair metal to her. And uh, basically, like, I busted out a list of first. It was like twelve, and I got it down to ten. And I had her look at the list, and she was like, "Absolutely, these are the ones that." I would need to like, these are the ones I thought you would tell me to pick up if I was doing this for the first time. So I feel pretty, I feel pretty confident about this list. You know, I kind of did it where I just like, I went in with that mindset and I just came up with a list. I think that I only really had like 11 or 12 and then I chopped a couple off, uh, maybe added one in and then, you know, you, you get that one where you're like, oh, I got to put these guys on. These guys are, are the stereotypical hair band. I got to have them on there. Um, and, you know, real quick, too, before we jump in, as you know, with a show called the Hair Model Mixtape, and I know with me with glam, 80s Glam Model Cast, hair model especially is a controversial word. You know what I mean? Some people like it and some people don't. What do you think? Absolutely. That's one of the reasons 
Uh, I grew up in Jersey, Northeast Jersey, so I'm pretty cynical, and I'm, I'm, I could be a wise-ass. So the fact that I was calling it hair metal was, it's kind of like, yeah, people hate that name, but you know exactly where you're going to get. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That, I was going to say the same exact thing, man. You say 80s rock, and I, I could be throwing Rick Springfield and Huey Lewis in there. <laughs> you say 80s hair metal. Now I know you're talking about Motley Crue, Poison, and Cinderella. So Right. Yeah, so definitely, brother. Well, you know what, man? Jump right in. Let's. I'm dying to hear it. What's your number ten? All right. So I do. My disclaimer is though, just because it's a top ten, it's not like ten being my least favorite. Okay. I had to go with the years. Okay. I had to go with the years because I made this top ten list. I kept flipping around so many times where I was like, it's not fair. So I just went from one to ten from the earliest years to the latest years. So I'll start with number ten, like cool. you asked me to. Which is Skid Row debut album, Skid Row, off of the Atlantic Records, 1989. Well, one of the deciding factors was for me were the, the albums that I literally bought when they came out. I was going through a time in 1989 where, like, hair metal was, like, really, really hair metal. We were, like, Winger, Slaughter, you know, like, Warren Winger, Nuff's Enough, you know, like, Pretty Boy Floyd. They were out there, man. They were flaunting it, right? And then, like, my sister was like, heavily into, like, Bon Jovi, so that was out there, too. New Jersey album was rocking, and then Skid Row comes out, and I, I hear this come up on, like, MTV, and it just blew me away, because I was like, wow, this is, like, that extra little grit, that uh -huh. grit that I wanted that came from, like, basically the first wave of hair metal, which was, like, you know, the early crew and all that stuff, too. So it kind of reminded me of that, and it had that, like, that also also that Jersey rock thing going on too. Yeah, totally makes sense. You know, I, I mean, I've on the podcast I've I've said numerous times I'm not the biggest Skid Row fan, although I have a lot of respect for him, and I definitely, especially love the first two albums. I mean, I'm not going to lie that that those aren't good albums. Um, so I can't fault you for this, man, and I definitely see where you're going. There is a little bit of a, a heaviness or edge uh, to songs like Youth Gone Wild and Peace of Me. Uh, definitely a little heavier than in something like you said with Bon Jovi. So, man, I, I'm digging it. I like it. <laughs> so you mentioned a band that I put at my number 10, and I would say most of my lists are probably all big heavy hitters. And this is probably the only band that really didn't have huge commercial success. But to me... They're just like, it's hair metal 101. You say you won't it personifies glam and hair, and it is Pretty Boy Floyd, uh, Leather Boys with Electric Toys. So, you know, like I said, it's not a monster seller like some of these other ones, but man... It's so damn good, <laughs> you know what I mean. And uh, you've yeah. got the you've got the whiny, clammy voice of Steve Summers, the blazing guitars of Christy Majors. You got big, catchy ass choruses. Uh, just so many great songs on there, man. Forty eight hours. Your mama don't know. Uh, you got the ballad. You're talking about walking out of class. You know, <laughs> I want to be with you. It's just great. And of course, toast of the town. You can't you can't yeah. go wrong with that crew cover. So it to me, man, I, I don't know how you feel about it today, but like I probably like it better now than I mean I liked it a lot back in the day, but I think I like it better even now. It's really grown on me, and I think a lot of people feel the same way about it. A lot of people consider an album you really got to have uh, if you're a glam metal hair metal fan. Yeah, absolutely, man. That album was like I said, I have like the honorary mentions list, and that was right there because it was like. 
it's almost like as like like they kind of like kept it going for crew. Yeah. If crew would have stayed in that like too fast ish type vibe, you know? Because yeah. I mean, yeah, took down. They made it tough great. <laughs> they did. Yeah, I love that album. And like I said, and that's one of those ones where there's a lot of great like you were throwing out some names, and I love a lot of those '89 bands that you know that came out. That was their debut. To me, I look at 89 as kind of a zenith. You know, that was like the peak, and then it all started to kind of crumble after yeah. that. But we had so many great bands. But I can say with that Pretty Boy Floyd, not like some of the other ones. I don't know if every song is, is a killer, you know, or, or a great song. But the Pretty Boy Floyd album, man, I can listen to that all the way through, dig all those songs. Yeah, my cassette is pretty wasted on that one. <laughs> so <laughs> how about number nine? So let me just make sure. So, you, so you're number nine. You are going to be... Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Going um, a year back. So, so you're going to be going, to, this should be 88, I'm yeah. thinking. Okay, perfect. Let's do it. All right, so uh, L.A. Guns, first one. Debut, oh, L.A. Guns. Yeah. Excellent, excellent choice. I, I was introduced to LA Guns. I mean, I, I don't know if it was this or the second album because it was a lot more popular, but definitely I went and got this one. And like, you know, I mean, what I did is I put my top 10 list on shuffle, all like every song from every of the albums. Uh-huh. And like every time an, a song from this album came on where it was like No Merc, Sex Action, One More Reason, Electric Gypsy. Yep. I mean, it keeps going. And then even at the other side of it, right? Like the, the Cry No More, Bitches Back, like, down in the city, this album is definitely like one of those where you're like, holy crap, this is like Sunset Strip, sleazy, like this is the sleazy side of the hair metal part where they're like, they kind of leave the makeup off, but they leave everything up, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> or black makeup at least, something. Yeah, that that's a great one. I, I remember buying that when it came out. I can remember... We had a small little record store in my town, and uh, I can remember them having the poster. It was black and white, and it was them, you know, from the inside cover with all the the guns and the ammunition, and, and they had, you know, yeah. they had their pilot caps on and everything. It, it was so cool, man. Everything about that album is cool. You're right. It's sleazy. It's kind of dark, uh, even at times, but it, it just works. It's good stuff. And there was that, like that whole rumor, you know, because obviously there was no internet back then. There was that whole rumor of like, oh, these are like. Some of the original dudes from Guns N' Roses. Right, yes, and like, yeah, yep. Oh, yeah. Whole, you know? No doubt, man, no doubt. Well, we talked about, I said, so I have a lot of heavy hitters. So I'm going to go right to a heavy hitter. Uh, and I'm going to go Bon Jovi, Slippery Wood, what, man? You know, this is this is essential hair metal. This is the Desmond Child writing hits hair metal that we've all you know come to love. Uh, this was an early exposure for me. You know what I mean? I got into metal hair metal, uh, 1986. So this is this was one of my early purchases. I can't remember if this was the first, but you know, hey, we all know these songs are a little bit. We've heard them a million times. You know, maybe some of you don't ever want to hear again, but it's undeniable. <laughs> it, it was the blueprint. 
for everything, for a lot, not everything, but for a lot of things that came after, man. The the big singles. I mean, You Give Love a Bad Name, Living on a Prayer, Wanted Dead or Alive. And even the songs that, are, that weren't singles were incredible. Raise Your Hands to Rock and Let It Rock. And you can't deny the hair of Bon Jovi. So if we're talking about hair, hair metal, <laughs> hair bands, he had the best hair probably out of any guy. So I got to give him props just for the hair. Yeah, it was kind of like this whole like East Coast, like clean hair metal, you know, yeah. like... Uh-huh. The, the 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 whole milk <laughs> <laughs> and you know the cool thing about bon jovi you know what sometimes people forget is they were not an overnight sensation you know a lot of these guys <laughs> came out like you talk skid row was huge bam right right in 1989 when they came out bon jovi paid their dues man the first album and then uh, 7800 fahrenheit you know it took some time for that to really catch on but man when it did catch on it, re- it really caught on oh yeah it's incredible in the in the incredible help he got early on um me being a live sound engineer, I was first a studio guy, so I worked at Power Station Studios, where his Uncle Tony owned, uh-huh. and like, it was kind of funny, I was there in 1994, so at the time, you weren't allowed to mention Bon Jovi, or he'd kick you out, because they had this fight, or whatever, whatever. <laughs> but he told us early stories about how he would bring in musicians to help them write these songs, and like, re-record some stuff, and like, the early, early albums, which is pretty cool, and then he re-released this album called John Bon Jovi, The Power Station Years, which you can still buy now, and it's all his like original stuff before he was even calling the band Bon Jovi, which is pretty incredible. And they're good songs, you know? Yeah. No, man, he's super talented. And it is sad because he's kind of shied away from the whole, you know, hair battle, 80s metal thing. And, and you know what, what? You know, he can make it work, and, and he's still, you know, is able to sell albums and all that kind of stuff. But I'm always going to love the... 84 to 88 version of Bon Jovi over anything that's after it. So, yeah, with Sambora, you gotta have Sambora. You gotta have Sambora. All right, brother, what do you got for eight? All right, eight. This is a big one. This is a monster one. It didn't start for them, but it was the monster one, which was Def Leppard's Hysteria. Yeah. Yeah, undeniable. Yep. This album was basically like what the thriller of hair metal. Yes, that's what they were <laughs> shooting for. <laughs> yeah, and the, the anticipation, everything. I mean, Pyromania was so awesome. I just had this like flashback today where one of the first tastes of Def Leppard I ever got was my oldest sister, who's five years older than me. She had On Through the Night on vinyl. Sweet. So that's kind of like, that's that was the beginning of me of listening to like, 80s rock if you will and then like you know of course pyromania uh, mtv the whole deal but hysteria holy crap man i still have that cassette and it was like i remember listening to that back to back non-stop you know yep yeah i mean also another band i, I hate to be shitting out your band. no i'm not i've never been huge into death leopard but um man i can't dispute hysteria i mean it, it was a monster huge videos huge tour huge but. everything so Great stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, after Hysteria, it was like, I kind of lost them. And, like, even now as an adult, I try to go back and listen to the newer stuff. And I'm like, Hysteria is about as pop as I go with Def Leppard. You know, like, if I'm going to go into Def Leppard, I usually jump into, like, the really early stuff where first guitarist and stuff, you know, like, they were doing some nasty stuff. Oh, yeah. I think there's one album that's a little bit later that I enjoy, and it's uh, Euphoria. 
because I think they were really mm-hmm. trying to create their '80s sound on that one, and I do I do like that one quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. All right, man. What do you all got? Right, so I feel like I'm just picking out all the cliches, but but like when I go, but, but you, hey, it can't get any more cliche than Death Leopard Hysteria. So I'm going also cliche album. Boy Snake, self-titled, 1987, and it's, come on, it's awesome. It's got the heavy grooves, songs like Crying in the Rain and Still of the Night, got the fast shit like Bad Boys and Give Me All Your Love. I mean, let's not, you know, forget the huge songs that made this thing big. Yeah, Here I Go Again, Is This Love. Uh, Once again, if if we're going to give it another hair award, uh, Coverdale, super, super hairdo, you know, him and Tawny Katane yeah. almost had like the same hairdo kind of, but, but yeah, he had great hair and, um, you know, they had, they had everything going for him. His vocals kick ass, bluesy. He could do the, the high stuff. And, you know, although the band evolved into like a super group, uh, with like Vivian Campbell and Rudy Sarzo and all those guys, they did not play on the original album. That's John Sykes mm-hmm. guitar work and mm-hmm. his guitar work kicks ass. Really good, yeah. man. Super, super, and, the, and like I said, it's really, it really rocks out and is really heavy at times. So it's, uh, it's a great one. Yeah, I was just listening to "Crying in the Rain" today. Love it. And like, dude, yeah, when Sykes is going off on the guitar and Dunbar on drums, it's just like, it's just like thunder. I'm it just is. like, what is right now? It's like so heavy. It's super heavy, and I think that's what people forget because they think of "Here I Go Again," which is a you know lighter radio track. But man, go go to "Crying in the Rain." It, it, it kicks ass. So good, so good. Number seven. All right, number seven, man. We are in cliche town. So um, <laughs> I'm going for uh, <laughs> I'm going for appetite for destruction. Yeah, right. I hear you. I mean, let's hear it. I. Today I was thinking about it. I was like, I remember being glued in front of the TV watching all the Guns N' Roses live at the Ritz performance that they mm-hmm. kept like freaking looping over and over and over again. And it's just like that album. Uh, yeah, it, it, I wore it out. I mean, like every song, even the songs today that you can listen to that weren't hits. Well, you know, everything seemed like a hit then. But I mean, what? I mean, anything goes. You know, like Rocket Queen. You look at the titles and it's just like, wow. It's like everybody had a taste of Guns N' Roses back in the day, you know? Mm. And Welcome to the Jungle, he did have the giant hair at first. He did. <laughs> and that's what people thats what people forget is that they look pretty glammy, man, especially on that album when it first came out. I mean, Axel had huge hair. Uh, they were wearing a little bit of makeup. You know, they definitely were, were doing the glam uh, thing, the L.A. glam thing. Guns N' Roses is a band. It's like I've got like that love-hate relationship with, you know, like I – I definitely feel like they're kind of overrated. I don't know. Like, sometimes I feel like the world puts them on this huge pedestal. I mean, obviously, they're playing stadiums and stuff. And to me, like, if you said, Mike, who do you like better, L.A. Guns or Guns N' Roses? I would say L.A. Guns. You know what I mean? I'm just like one of those weirdos. But I'm also not stupid. So, like, I know The Appetite is a great album. And and if it's on, I can listen to every song. And you do hear songs that weren't even released nowadays on the radio, like on uh, uh, Hair uh, Hair Nation and things like that. So you know, undeniable, definitely were unique, and it's a great album. I can't I can't say anything bad about it. Even though they're like I said, hit or miss after that for me. But uh, but that album's a winner. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like when the word essential came into this today, that's kind of like what made me put. 
hysteria and appetite on there because I'm like, look, these are essential. People need these on their list. But you're right, man. GNR, you you go deep. I mean, there. I always get in trouble for talking the same smack about ACDC, where I just right. feel like it was a one trick pony. Right. And that's kind of it. Yeah, it was a ginormous album, but is it a is it a, just a one and done? Because the next album's kind of got you know they have some decent songs, but they didn't have the staying power like all the other bands we're about to mention, probably. Yeah, exactly. At least you could say with some of them, you know, they're probably going to come up on this list. There was a lot of consistent offerings, you know what I mean, that came out after. Mm-hmm. And you can't really say that about Guns N' Roses. There's a lot of time in between things. And um, kind of, you know, use your illusion is very bloated. <laughs> I mean, all right, I'll stop. All right, no more about Guns N' Roses. Number seven. This is this, I think, in my opinion, in, in some ways, really ushered in hair metal. Uh, and it's er- it was early. It's kind of it's in its infancy right now. And it's Rat Out of the Solid. In 1984, I think this is like the turning point for me for a lot of it because when you do talk about Motley Crue, Shout at the Devil is very metallic and heavy. Even though it has some of that glam sensibility, it's pretty heavy. But I think when you get to this album, I think this is pretty much telling you what what's going on. This is this is it, man. And uh, I think if you don't have a Rat album. If you don't own one, then you probably aren't a true hair model fan. Because I think I think Rat just exemplifies what hair model is, and they were the trailblazers. Yeah. Round and round, I don't care. I don't get sick of it. It doesn't get old. It, it's classic. You know what I mean? It is a great, great song. The, the lyrics, the melody, the guitar work—it's so cool, man. And uh, it, it, this album is like their greatest hits. This album is, I think, right on par in the same kind of a vibe like as Appetite for Destruction. I think every song on this is good. I think there's probably you know radio stations out there that could bust out some deep tracks on this, and most people would know what they are. Uh, the, it gets heavy. You know, there's sometimes where it gets heavy, like Lack of Communication. I love that song. Um, Back for mm-hmm. more. You know, just Piercy and Demartini. Not to discredit the other guys, but like that, those are your superstars. Those are your glam hair model superstars. Uh, the only thing that I'll give this album that it's that doesn't have that would probably put it right up in the stratosphere for for the essential hair metal is it doesn't have a power ballad. So power ballads really weren't the necessary thing in 1984. But I mm-hmm. think as we progressed, as we got to 85, um, the power ballad became a thing. Yeah, especially with Home Sweet Home. Yeah, I think that that's the one I was talking about. <laughs> yeah. How about you? What do you think about Out of the Cellar? Oh my God, dude! I yeah, I had it on vinyl cassette. Then when it came out on CD, I got it on CD. You know, and and I remember trying to search for that first EP that was just kind of like a a mystery out there as far as I was concerned where I grew up. So like this album, I couldn't get enough of it. I mean, this is one of those like you said, it just personifies like all filler. Uh, you know, all killer, no filler. Yep. That's the term. All killer, no filler. Because it's like, you're right. You, I love Scene of the Crime, and that's the last song on the album. You know, like I love that song. I'm, holy crap! Ugh. The morning after. Yeah. That's a cool song. The morning after. <laughs> it's just, I, they're just like they're kind of subtle. They're not like in your face, but they're they're great. They're catchy. They're, yeah, whole album's good. And the riffs, the Martini riffs, were something else, man. Like oh, he yeah. definitely had like specific riffs that you knew the Martini. You know. Yep. He had his he had his own thing going. He's, he's, I'm sure he still does. I'm sure he I bet you he's writing some of those riffs right now, and he, he's just ready. He's ready to unveil them to the world. I can't wait. Uh, uh, <laughs> come on, bring him out. Number six. 
Number six for me is something you already mentioned, which is Whitesnake, 1987. Nice, nice, yes. That, 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 that album, and especially after I saw them open up for Motley Crue, Girls, Girls, Girls Tour yeah. in uh, the Brendan Byrne Arena in East Rutherford, New Jersey. I saw them on stage, and you know what? You're right. The, the stage band wasn't the album band, but like we talked about before, the album band was amazing. And then, you know, having, uh, what was it, Tommy Aldridge on drums live, yeah. and it was fantastic, too, live. So, yeah, Whitesnake, definitely essential. Perfect. This is another band that I feel that is essential on, on any hair metal list. Um, the album, maybe uh, people will dispute me on. But I'm going to go with docking, and I'm going to go with under lock and key. And I, I'll, okay, disclaimer. All right, let me throw it out there. I think Back for the Attack is a better album. But when I think mm-hmm. of hair metal, and I think of that cover, the way they looked, right? They were very glammy. When I think of In My Dreams, it just doesn't get any more, like, hair metal than that song. So, to me, I think this is just... I, I really dig this album. Maybe I'm one of these oddball people that just finds, you know, there's, I know there's big songs, you know, we, we know, uh, in my dreams, the hunter, uh, it's not love. Those are all, you know, the, the big hits that you'll still hear on the radio, but, uh, this album doesn't get old, man. I think unchained the night is, is probably Dawkins best song, at least my favorite song. And, uh, I like all the deep tracks there. Once again, like we talked to like with the morning after and some of those, there's some cool ones toward the end of this, like don't lie to me and jaded heart. They're not breakaway hits, but I think they're super solid songs. And you know, what is the standard game is what you can probably relate to is, you know, the guys that really shine, I think in most of these bands, it's the singer and the guitar player. The guitar player gets a lot Mm -hmm. of time in the spotlight. And this is, you know, this is very similar to the Percy Demartini Dokken and Lynch, you know, there are so many, you know, you know, you know, um, George Lynch, as soon as you hear it, he's got a little right. bit of a, he can do like a heavier type evil riff almost, you know, I mean, it's kind of, I feel like both of them are kind of like darker people and it, it really works well in the music. Don is always depressed, right? He's, he's always got his heart broken and uh, he's always thinking about heartbreak. And I think there's a little bit of a darkness to what George plays too. So I love it. It's great stuff. And uh, yeah, that's where I got it. Yeah, I love them too, man. That, that combo was great. Even going back and like reading those books about the history of how like the tension between them two. Yeah. Which in that always ended up being like the magic sauce for everybody, right? Back to like Lennon McCartney. It was that tension that it is this beautiful stuff. I agree 100%, man. How about five? Five. Okay. This also might be, um, this, these last five for me are like without a, like, without a doubt the one. But I mean, I'm going to put it out there. It's Cinderella Night Songs, 1986. Nice. Good choice. This album was one of those albums where I knew of, I knew of the band because of the Jersey scene with Bon Jovi. Like people were like, yo, Bon Jovi sings on this album, which I had no idea until later. He sings on, I think, the last song, which is called Back Home Again. Sings like the first two lines. Which is crazy, but I mean, like, they, they, this is one of those hair metal albums where they looked more hair metal than what the album sounded like. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I mean, if you listen to this day, like, like I said, it was on Shuffle today, and like, it's just every song that came on had that glam. It, it definitely had more of a glam metal with a little bit of that bluesy thing that I dug, you know, mm-hmm. I could really relate to it. That's what I loved about this album. And that's why it's essential, too, man. 
Because all those songs on there, night songs, shaking, nobody's fool, yep. nothing for nothing. Hell, somebody save me, you know? It's all about like blue collar, you know, type stuff. It was yeah. great. Well, I agree with you, but uh, I have it on my list, so I'll hold off on my comments on it. Uh, <laughs> this one, some people may agree or they might not agree. I don't really care. Number five, I got Kiss Asylum. And uh, A, I'm a huge Kiss fan. And this was the first Kiss album I ever bought. But here's where I'm going to give my defense of why this should be on here. In the 80s, Kiss were more followers than they were leaders. You know, uh, Kiss were leaders, uh, image and music in the 70s. And then they tried to work their, their way back once the 80s came. And they took the makeup off. We all know what the story of Kiss. Um but what I think had happened is, as I think they were dipping their feet into metal and '80s metal with kind of mixed results. If you look at um, "Lick It Up," it's it's a little heavier, you know what I mean? It's it's not necessarily you know poison type stuff. When you get to "Animalize," there's parts of it that are there. It's probably not really even a complete album, or it doesn't have that band vibe like maybe earlier Kiss did. For me, I think everything aligned perfectly uh, when we get to Asylum. I think Kiss has kind of found their sound in the 80s. There's vibes that kind of harken back to the old Kiss, but it's been modernized and brought into the to the new era. Uh, and let's face it, Kiss are the forefathers of hair metal. Pretty much most of these guys that we mentioned uh, will say Kiss you know, was an influence, especially the, the later guys like Skid Row and, and all those dudes, Warren. So... I think at this point, man, they got it down pat. You know, Paul reinvented himself. I think he fit into that whole, you know, rock star thing better than anybody in the 80s. You know what I mean? We especially, go back and watch him host um, MTV uh, and, and, and do some of his interviews, man. He's got he's got the 80s thing down. Uh, Eric Carr, I love his drumming, and it's so thunderous on this. You know, listen to King of the Mountain. Just killer. Uh, Kulik is in here. I think Kulik really added uh, the sound they needed. You know, there was there was other guys like Vinnie Vincent and Mark St. John, but Kulik played some real smart, tasteful stuff to this. And I think even Gene stepped up his game. Gene uh, was known during this time period for kind of just phoning it in, man. But And you've got, what do you got on here, Gabe? You got big Desmond Child songs. You got Tears Are Falling. You got Who Wants to Be Lonely. And these are just 80s gold, man. And like I said, you got the thunderous drums and the kick-ass uh, King of the Mountain. And I love Trial by Fire, which is a, a Gene track. But it doesn't get any more stupid but fun than all all night and that's all i got <laughs> <laughs> oh i'm so because that's on my honorary mentions list i love it man because you're right i mean it took eric carr and bruce kulik to like bring them into like the hair metal stratosphere right i mean yeah, yeah lick it up and all that but that was like vinnie vincent stuff and everybody was confused and nobody knew what was playing what right but you're right man and they got it together and they were like boom we yeah. got this and you know what's funny, it, almost like what I mentioned about Pretty Boy Floyd, when when you listen to people talk online, and you, you do what I'm talking about, you see the chatter, you, you know what albums really rose to the top and, and really were good albums. You know, a lot of times albums were judged by the videos or how the band looked, but now all bullshit aside, all the years later, most Kiss fans, most music metal fans in general have a high respect for Asylum. You hear it from everybody. So there's got to be something there, you know? Absolutely, man. I think today, 
I think today is uh, what's his uh, uh, his birthday. Uh, oh my god, I just forgot his name too. The songwriter. Oh, Desmond <laughs> Child. I think you're right because I was just scrolling through Twitter and I saw just a picture of Paul Stanley hugging him, but I didn't read what what was above it. So, so that must be it. <laughs> I post. Ah, <laughs> uh, right. Number four. Got... All right, number four, man. <laughs> Now, if I was really doing this top ten, and like this, this next album probably be a lot closer than number four, because um, this album for me definitely like if you show anybody the album cover, this is this is what hair metal was basically all about. It was party rock. Mm-hmm. It was just like get crazy, hair, makeup, go nuts, look as much like a chick as you can, but kick ass. And that's look what the cat dragged in yeah. by Poison. Yep. 1986, man. Like, I keep going back to this album. Some people might give me shit for this. I don't know. But, um, I, I mean, I go through every single song, and it's just amazing. It's almost got this, like, punk feel to it, if it you does. will. Like, stuff like Let Me Go to the Show and stuff like that. It's got this, like, real in your face. The, I mean, there's two-minute songs in there. You know? Like, mm-hmm. it's great. Yeah. I mean, it's – I'm a huge Poison fan. Um, the only thing this is this is weird, and, and you probably can relate. Sometimes your tastes uh, in music change. You know what I mean? And like what you love, like crazy back in the day. Sometimes you don't, and sometimes it's vice versa. The thing that's happened with me with Poison, and like I said, still a huge Poison fan. I s- kind of feel like with this album, and this is just for me. This is just my take on it. Um, look what the cat dragged in, and open up and say ah. Super strong singles, um, but a lot of the deep tracks, uh, deep tracks over time haven't just don't do much for me like they used to. You know what I mean? So, so I feel like poor, one thing that I'll say though, this band and usually it's always the other way around. A lot of times I always like the songs that weren't the singles better by bands, but I think Poison, especially on those first two albums, had just crazy strong singles. You know what I mean? And obviously because mm. this album sold great and it was those singles and videos that kind of drove the shit, but. Dude, I'm with you. If you look at it, the total package, the iconic cover, the videos, the album, and it, it does. It has a cool kind of gritty, glammy, sleazy, <laughs> punky vibe. It's weird, but it's cool. Well, here comes Cinderella for number four. So I'm with you. Um, I think this is, you'll probably agree, is really their most metal album. Uh, because mm-hmm. and even though you said there's a little bit of blues on here, I mean, we dive off the right in deep into the blues uh, with Long Cold Winter and Heartbreak Station. They get really bluesy. But that cover, oh. I think that cover screams 80s hair metal. The way they look, the purple, it's just, but it kicks ass. You know, the videos were the same way. You look at those, you know, they just personify the 80s. Tom is a superstar. He, he really is a superstar of the band. It's his voice, his guitar playing, his songs. Um, genre-defining stuff, man. Nobody's Fool, like you said, Somebody Save Me. I love Night Songs, and I love Back Home Again. Um, I think that's one of my favorite songs. And once again, that's one of those ones that's not a single. So like, I think that's where I keep going with that. If I compare this to Poison, I just think overall, song for song, this is better overall. Even though I'll probably always like Poison better, if that makes any sense. But I think I think if you put Night Songs against Look What the Cat Dragged In, I think Cinderella made like pound for pound like a better complete album. Just, that's my take. I agree. No, no, I agree. And it, it was cool because it didn't have to be like, Tom, like Tom Keeper didn't have to be that like high-pitched wailing singer that was coming out from like the earlier stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that kind of felt cool to me where the guy could just be gritty like that, you know? For sure. Well, wow, we're getting right to the tail end here. Number three. 
Number three was something you mentioned already, and I think this would probably be in my top five for real anyway, which is Bon Jovi, Slippery When Wet. Definitely. Yep, for sure. What are some of your thoughts on it? Um, I mean, you're right. I mean, like, I, I knew about Bon Jovi, the album before that was Runaway and that stuff, but when this came out, I mean, I didn't know this at the time, but, like, the songwriting, the craft of songwriting with Desmond Child was like, that's what made this album, like, complete hits right yep. I mean, everywhere it, every song and it's it still it still gave you the rock it still gave you like the heavier guitars but it was still clean so it still kept it then you had like the power ballads of wanted dead or alive um never say goodbye that was like my eighth grade like chorus graduation <laughs> song you know like <laughs> and, and going back today like you were mentioning before there's stuff that's really cool that like i didn't think was cool then and now i really like you know yeah yeah, I mean, that's a great one. Yeah. All right. Number three, people may question why this one's so high, but I'm willing to fight for it. Warren, Dirty Rod, Filthy Stinking Rich, man. Uh, to me, this is just glam metal perfection. I think, once again, the superstar here is Janie Lane. It's it's his voice. It's his uh, songs, really. The songs have, are really good. And he, they all, you know, they got the look and everything. It's all there. You, you know, hey, how about that fat bastard on the cover? You'll never forget that oh. cover. You know what I mean? So it's all great. The choreography, you know, they just had it all. Uh, 32 Pennies. I love it. Down Boys. Uh, Big Talk. In the Sticks. Cold Sweat. I mean, every single song. And of course, you could not beat these huge ballads. Heaven and Sometimes She Cries. Uh, this is another one of those albums, man. And you know what? This is weird. Just a quick story where I think this album really grew on me. I'd say maybe five, six, seven years ago. I don't know how long. It wasn't that long ago, but I had a car that had a tape deck in it. And of course, I was I was a happy guy because I had shitloads of tapes. So one tape that I would put in was this one, and I would you know I would go maybe the whole week and just listen to the first side, listen to the second, just keep going back and forth, listen to it all week. And to me, it just it made me realize, like, wow, this is a really good album. Well-written. It's got all the elements, man. I got it at three. Nice, nice. Well, what do you have for two? Well, number two is something you already mentioned, and I totally agree. And this is probably my number two for real, and that's Out of the Cellar by Rat. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yep. It's got to be on the essential list, man. It, it, there's there's no disputing it. And, and what I loved about it, too, is that, like, he kind of went – you know, Stephen Pierce, he didn't go the whole super high hair thing. He went for that whole, like, Sunset Strip pirate look, you know? <laughs> <laughs> he did have a different look. He kind of would slick back the one side and then put the other part down in front of his face. He, he he definitely looked different than everybody else. And he just he's just got a cool vibe. He's totally different. I had him on my podcast one time, and he was just so cool, man. It was just, yeah, he's he's the real deal. That's amazing. And anything with Tonic Contain on the cover, you know, and... Tony making her way back into another thing. Yeah, she was part of the scene, too, for sure. That's pretty crazy, too, how she was part of the scene. It, just, it goes deep and deep and deep. <laughs> well, this one, it's a band you mentioned, but it's not the album. And some people may dispute this, but it's okay. Uh, I'm going to go Poison, Flesh, and Blood. And mm. I think... This is where I'm going with this one, Gabe. For me, 
The complaints that I gave about the two prior to this, I feel like we've kind of eliminated that. To me, this is an album where I could pretty much, I really enjoy going through every song. And I think it's got a little bit of everything. I think their musicianship has definitely reached their, its height at this point. Uh, production is, is great. And you've got some kind of deep songs, you know, like Valley of Lost Souls or Life Loves a Tra- Tragedy. And you've got something to believe in, which is, once again, it's a cool ballad, but it also has some substance. But then you've got some real goofy 80s hair crap, like freaking Unskinny Bop and Flesh and Blood and all that stuff. And I love it. You know what I mean? So to me, I love it because it's just really consistent. It's got a little bit of everything. And uh, and I, I am a poison nut, even though, like I said, I got my grapes here and there, but I, I am a poison nut. That's awesome, man. I mean, look, I love that album. Two mixtapes ago, I played Flesh and Blood Sacrifice for one of my uh, October lists. And, like, the one I'm playing on Monday is going to start off with Strange Days of Uncle Jack into Valley of Lost Souls. I mean, I love this. It's when they find, I feel like they, in in a weird, I hate calling it like they got more mature. But, like, I kind of feel like they got their shit together. Yeah. and, And... and, and, and like, yeah, wrote a great album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's why, like I said, I know an, you have to have a Poison album on an essential album list. But I feel like just the way I feel today, it's like I, I got to go with Flesh and Blood. That's, that's to me, that's that's my best moment for Poison for me. So I love it. Fantastic. I love it too. All right, man. Number one. This I can't wait to hear this. What do we got? Okay, so number one, and remember, this is why I, I picked these because the word essential was in there, right? Yep. Um, <laughs> I get so nervous about this because Molly Crew is my favorite band of all yeah. time. You know, it's just what it comes down to. And, and, and just to throw it out there, I mean, like, Starry Eyes is one of my favorite songs ever written by Molly Crew. I it's love weird. It. Yeah, but that, for me, was like, that's the epitome of, like, glam metal guitar. Like, that's just that, like, I don't even know what it is, just that, like, whatever Mick is doing there, blew me away but i didn't know that whole album until after i bought shadow the devil mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and devil was kind of like one of those albums where like people were just like holy crap we gotta step it up we gotta wear better like costumes like we gotta look cooler we gotta have a stage show like we gotta and that's kind of like and, and, and it's it's darker for hair metal because i guess if you really wanted to consider a hair metal album by motley Crue, i would say theater of pain at the drop of a bucket because yeah. It's it's pink and glammy and like and uh-huh. people say they hate that album and I love it I love Me that too. album it's Me got, too. Yep, some hidden tracks that were obviously left over from Shadow the Devil. Yeah. Um. So that's what I did. I, you know, I went to I even went to like Doctor Feelgood, which is in the main. It's just like, and I had to throw them all in the bucket and be like, okay, well, if I had to just pick one out and give it to someone and be like, look, this is what made other hair bands want to dress up cooler and stuff. And I picked Shot of the Devil. I can't fault you, man. It is a great, great, great album. Yeah, I can't fault you on that one. It, I think it, the reason why I... Well, let's just put this out there before I even say that. I've got Motley Crue at number one, too. But I don't have that album. And I kind of wrestled with the same things that you wrestled with. I looked at Theater of Pain. That was the first Motley Crue album I ever got. And it really <laughs> did pave the way in a lot of ways for everybody else. And I've said this mm-hmm. numerous times on this show. When they came out looking like that, that's when Kiss softened their image, Ozzy softened, Judas, Dokken. 
if you look at the, and I've done my research, <laughs> you look at the dates, it, it all tells the story. When you look at Home Sweet Home, everybody did a ballad in a that retrospective of the live concert experience video. You know what I mean? Everybody did it. So they were blazing the trail. Um, Shout at the Devil and Too Fast for Love, those are my go-tos. Those are their best albums. But then I started to say to myself, is this, is this hair metal? And it really surprises me because I'm always, I'm kind of down on Dr. Feelgood sometimes. I think it has some really weak songs on it. But I think if there was some alien that came down and landed on my uh, doorstep and wanted to know what hair metal was, I would. I think I would hand them Dr. Feelgood, man. And that's what I put at number one. Because I think it definitely is not their best, but I think it's the most hair metal for me. And I think... Part of it is the huge singles. So we talked about how big, you know, White Snake had the singles. Bon Jovi had the big singles. Shit, man, Motley Crue had five of them on this album, and they were all really great songs. I once again, this album, the singles carry it for me. Doctor Feel Good, same old situation. Kickstart my heart. Without you and uh, don't go away mad. Those are super, super great songs, man. All very well written. The production game. This is their best sounding album. That that one you have to give it. You know what I mean? Bob freaking yeah. rock, dude. All of a sudden, this thing just sounds mammoth. It definitely, on a, on a uh, production-wise, and, and you being in, in, in that area, you know what I'm talking about. This sonically smokes all their other albums. And, you oh, know, yeah. the cool thing, and I'm so glad that Crew's your favorite band. Kiss is mine, but, but Crew is probably a close second. But, um, you know, a lot of people rip on Vince Neil, uh, maybe for some of his live performances. But to me, on record, he's one of the best. I love his voice. It personifies what this kind of music is. And when you listen to Pretty Boy Floyd, you know that dude is obsessed with Vince Neil. You know what I mean? Vince Neil is the man. Mm-hmm. Nikki is the, the songwriter. The drums of Tommy are so killer. And it's it's sad to see Mick go, man. But what a player. It, it's just all working here. You know, some of those songs... Like Sticky Sweet and Rattlesnake Shake, not their best, but you know what, man? They fit pretty damn good into 1989. So that's where I'm putting it. Dude, that is such a good. I mean, that's such a good pick because I mean, if there's one Motley Crue album that I have like really a, a, like a lot of different versions of, of, of it's that album. Like I have like multiple cassettes, CDs, vinyls, picture discs, like that freaking like bag you buy with all the Doctor Feelgood stuff in it, like. This album is amazing, man. And, and it was that whole production thing with like, this was happening at the same time as Aerosmith Pump in the same studio. Yeah. Which is pretty insane. Because I was just reading an article today that Mick Mars was saying, because of his retirement, um, that when he was doing the guitar tracks for this album, that uh, Steven Tyler kept yelling from the studio, like, you guys got to turn it down. You're going into my vocals. And Mick was like, sorry, man, this is the way I play. <laughs> so they said, they actually hear if you carefully hear with headphones on certain songs on pump, you can hear mixed guitar. <laughs> That's crazy. That is crazy. Which is but yeah, man, this album is ridiculous. It, it is. It's, it's, it sounds amazing. It's so well done. It, they, like, another band that got their stuff together and came out with a ridiculous, even like what chart wise and selling wise and hits wise and all that stuff. Yeah, and you know, like this is this is Motley's hysteria. But like I said, since I'm not huge into Death Leopard, I've got to honor the crew with you know this is this yeah. is their their juggernaut. You know what I mean? And this, 
I think <clears throat> 89 just personifies the peak and it also was kind of the end, you know, as we know, 90 was pretty solid, but it was over by 91. It was, it was all done. So this was like kind of the decade going out with a bang and yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, man. And like, if, if, if we have a little extra time, I'd love to give you my honorary mentions. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I'll, let me, I'll throw you my, I only had one. It was, um, slaughter stick it to you. So I only had one. Oh, yeah. What do you got? Oh, yeah. I'll just, I'll, I'll bust them out real quick. But like, Quiet Riot, Metal Health, yep. Twisted Sisters, Stay Hungry, Faster Pussycats First, uh, White Lion Pride, yep. Winger, Winger, of course, Warrant, Dirty Ron, Filthy Zinger Rich. Oh, my God, I love that one. And that's enough's first one. Uh, Pretty Boy Floyd, I got in there too, and Slaughter. Yeah. We're right, right on mean, the same page, man. Yeah. We had a lot of the same uh, bands and, and selections, so we, we we must know hair metal pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was awesome, brother. You know, this will be handy for um, for all kinds of people, people that uh, who are just getting into it, think, thinking about what albums they should buy if they, they want to dig deep. And a lot of these are kind of gateways that will lead you into other bands and stuff like that. And... Uh, I'm sure a lot of other people who've been around for a while would be curious about something like this because they'd like to see, like, you know, wh- what do these guys think or what do I think is the essential? Man, they missed this, you know? So it's always good. It's always good conversation, you know? Yeah, definitely, man. It's, it's definitely a good talk. Well, hey, I wish you all the best with everything you're doing, man, and keep keep giving that hair metal out to everybody. I, I wish you a lot of luck with your show, and uh, we'll definitely talk again, brother. Dude, Mike, thank you so much, man. It, it really was an honor to be on this show, dude. The 80s clan metal cast is like, I've already like told all my friends, I'm like, if you guys aren't listening to this, you guys got to check this out. This is some good stuff. <laughs> Well, that was great chatting with Gabe. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Rock on!